Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Marvel Sports Talk Show, broadcasting live from inside the Carl Hansen Student Center on the campus of Quinnipiac University. My name's David Marr, alongside the very happy, because his Yankees swept the Boston Red Sox, Andrew Spezzano. So let's just jump right into it, because I am honestly at the point of the Red Sox season where I just don't care anymore. Um, I should actually tell you an interesting story. So after the game Sunday night, I went to bed, woke up the next morning, got on a shuttle for my art class at 10 a.m., and I spotted three Yankee hats. Then I get back to main campus, and I walk through towards the student center, and I see five more. I get to my art class, there's two more. I spotted 10 Yankee hats on my way to class on Monday afternoon. That was just like the low point of the series for me, although Giancarlo Stanton ripping two bombs um, was ridiculous. So, Andrew, I will start with you because the Red Sox-Yankee series is obviously the big story of the weekend the Yankees win all three games so you're the Yankee fan the Yankees are now in sole possession of the top spot in the wild card what's the feeling man I just do not understand this Yankees team because one week they'll look like one of the worst teams in the league then now they've won six in a row and they're currently beating Toronto right now in the fifth inning but John Carlos Stanton had three home runs and 10 RBIs this weekend and two of the home runs that he hit I think they're still in the air. I don't think they've landed yet. Um, he hit two absolute moonshots in Saturday night's game. He hit the go-ahead grand slam. I don't know what Alex Cora was doing bringing in a lefty there because Anthony Rizzo hits lefties better than righties. And he hit Rizzo, threw a fastball right down the middle to Stanton, and he hit it, I think, 454 feet or something like that. 459, I think. 459 I yeah. to left center. Yankees took the series there. I did not expect to get the sweep. I, I was hoping for two, but the Sunday night game. Just Joe, we got to we just got to talk about Joe West for a second. He was terrible. I was about to bring that he up. He was horrible for both sides. He missed a lot of striking ball calls, but really the big call went against the Red Sox. Adam Ottavino struck Aaron Judge out. He blew a ninety-eight mile an hour fastball right by him. And Christian Vasquez fumbled it on the transfer, and he called it a foul tip, which yep. was ridiculous. And yeah. unfortunately, you can't review that. And earlier in the at-bat, Bobby Dahlbeck had dropped a pop-up. So Judge had two extra chances, one from a Red Sox miscue and another from an umpire miscue. And Judge smoked an 118-mile-an-hour rocket to the gap to put the Yankees in front. Then Giancarlo Stanton, two pitches later, Ottavino threw one of the most hanging sliders I've ever seen, and he hit it to Mars. What a huge weekend for the Yankees. They leapfrogged the Red Sox for the first wild card spot, and I, I couldn't be happier right now. I'm, I'm excited. And we'll be at Yankee Stadium Sunday afternoon for the Yankees-Rays game to wrap up the season. Um, as a Red Sox fan, it feels kind of like a low point for the Red Sox because coming into this series— must win at least one game. The fact that they were in all three... Well, all right, I could cross off Fridays because it wasn't even close. Evaldi got shelled. (laughs) Garrett Cole pitched phenomenal for the Yankees in that game. Um, The second game, the Red Sox hung around until Giancarlo Stanton destroys that ball for a grand slam. And and then Sunday was like the game, okay, the the Yankees made two errors before they got up to bat in the... Eighth inning, was it, in the bottom of the seventh? Red Sox take the lead. Um, I'm not going to blame that one on Bobby Dahlbeck because the win was an issue all night, including yeah. for the Yankees on that two drop down. I was like, okay, that's fine. Dahlbeck can drop that ball. I don't care. Um, but the fact that Joe West missed a call, a blatant call that was right in front of him, you could easily say it was on the transition. And that's what I hate about the MLB. There are plays where... You can challenge if a guy stole second and if the tag was there. You can challenge if, um, you know, if it was a foul or fair ball. But you can't challenge the ones that are clear and obvious calls. And it feels like the pass interference rule for the NFL back in 2019. Yeah, it's clear and obvious, but you can't challenge the call. It's just, it's ridiculous. But kudos to the Yankees. It's a big win. They're currently leading Toronto right now. The Red Sox are losing to the Orioles. Uh Uh-oh. 
Um, I guess the good news is the Yan- if the Red Sox lose, um, well, I guess there's no good news because we lose to the worst team in baseball. But if the Yankees win, that means the Red Sox don't go anywhere and they stay in the number two spot. But let's talk about the last leg of the season. It's going to be an epic ride. The team that we talked about the Yankees having about as brutal of a schedule um, towards the final stretch, the series against Toronto, massive for the Blue uh, for the Yankees and the Blue yes. Jays. I mean, and I read something from Jeff Passan, the MLB insider on ESPN, who said that there could be a potential three-way tie. Five-way tie. Wow. And that would... So you have Oakland taking on Seattle. Do you believe in Seattle? I know what we don't know what, what's, what's going to happen with the Red Sox, Yankees, and Toronto, but if Seattle could sneak their way in, what chance would you give Seattle in the wild card? You know, Seattle's bullpen is actually one of the top bullpens mm-hmm. in the league. Mm-hmm. They've got some really good arms. They picked up Paul Seawald from the Mets. He's completely flipped the script on his career. Drew Steckenrider's been really good. They got Diego Castillo from the Rays. They've got some really good arms in that in the back end of that bullpen. And if you say Kikuchi, who's their number one pitcher, he was an all-star this year, if he could have a first-half game, he struggled a little bit in the second half, if he could pitch like he did in the first half, they could be a tough team. The problem with the Mariners, though, is they do not have a reliable offense. They'll either put up eight runs in a game or they'll go four straight putting up a combined eight runs. So I'm, I don't like the Mariners over any of the AL East teams. I think the Yankees dominated them this year. I think they won five of seven or something like that. I'm pretty sure the Red Sox and the Jays played them pretty well too. So I don't like the Mariners over these AL East teams, but their pitching could give them an opportunity. I I still think it's a successful season for Seattle. I oh, don't definitely. Think, yeah, they were underrated going into this season, and the fact that they're going to be so close to clinching a wild card spot gives that some confidence for, for Seattle. I didn't think that even if they got close, they probably were going to be one and done on the wild card because they would have had to go to Boston or the or to the Bronx. Or even Toronto, if they somehow sweep the Yankees and win out against the Orioles. Um, but I think it's a successful season in Seattle. What a disappointing season for Oakland. I thought they were going to win the West this year, and they might, they might not even make the playoffs. Yeah, no, Oakland, they just don't have good enough starting pitching. You know, their lineup is really solid. And when they added Starling Marte at the trade deadline, I thought they were really going to take off because they had been playing great baseball. But they've kind of just been hovering around 500. You know, they've had weeks where they've gone five and two, then they'll go two and five the next week. You know, they just haven't been consistent, and it's really been the pitching. That's something mm-hmm. they're really going to have to address this offseason because mm-hmm. they have some great offensive players in Matt Olson and Matt Chapman. And I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if they extended Marte, but it's been a disappointing year for them. Yeah, and for Oakland, it, it's tough to win in a division when you have – a young team like Seattle that's playing as good as what we didn't think they were going to be. Um, obviously Houston and then Shohei Otani with the angels. Um, that's one other thing that wasn't on the board that I had for our rundown, but like MVP race, it's gotta be Otani at this point. Oh, for sure. Because what he's done hasn't been seen since Babe Ruth. And it's been remarkable, astounding, whatever word you want to describe with Shohei Otani, it's that because he's, He's the best, one of the best pitchers in baseball and one of the best hitters in baseball. No, I agree 100%. You know, 45 home runs and to pitch almost 100 innings with a 2.2 ERA is just unbelievably insane. Yeah. He's definitely the most valuable player in baseball, without a doubt. All right, let's flip it over to the NL side of things. We have a great, uh, if you want to talk Yankees, um, Blue Jays in the AL, the NL big series of the week has to be in Atlanta with the Phillies and the Braves. With the If Atlanta wins, I believe, two of three, if they avoid the sweep, they will win the division. Um, but who do you have winning that series, Atlanta and Philadelphia? Philadelphia has to win at least three, maybe even, well, they have to win two, maybe even sweep the, uh, the Braves if they have any chance to make it into the playoffs. Well, tonight you got a pitching duel. You got Charlie Morton and Zach Wheeler, who have both been unbelievable this year. And right now the Braves are up 2-0 in the 7th. With the series being in Atlanta, I like the Braves. And right now they're winning probably the hardest game because they're going against Wheeler, who's a Cy Young candidate. Mm. And if they can hold on in this game, they're going to be looking really good, I think. I like the Braves in this. Even though the Phillies have had a great year, you can't 
Bryce Harper's probably the MVP in the in the in the National League. I think if they could add one more starting pitcher and maybe go after a shortstop, yeah, in that big free agent class, they're going to be very dangerous. I was gonna year. I was gonna ask that next NL MVP. I thought it would be Bryce Harper if the Phillies end up making the playoffs. Now that it's not there, who do we think wins the NL MVP? Because you, it's really a, anyone's race at this point. Juan Soto has a chance, and he's not a name I would sleep on. He's had a monster second half. I think he was hitting 600 in the month of September as of the other day. I think he's a guy to watch. I think Fernando Tatis fell off a little bit. I think it, Joey Votto's a guy to watch. He's mm-hmm. had a good year. Paul Goldschmidt has ascended into the race. That's what I was going to bring Propelling up. the Cardinals into the playoff race. They're going to clinch tonight if they win. Yep. I th- I think he's a good dark horse guy to watch out for, but I think it could be Soto, Harper, or Goldschmidt. So with the NL wild card game set potentially, we I mean there's a like literally a less than mathematical chance that Cincinnati will leapfrog St. Louis. They won't. Who could win that? I'm leaning towards the Cardinals if they keep winning right now and and beat the Dodgers in that wild card game because they've just been so so hot. They're on the 16-game winning streak. They look unstoppable. They The fact that they've beaten tough competition means that this 16-game winning streak, and I brought this up on um, Ben Upson's show on Sunday morning, this 16-game winning streak isn't a winning streak where you beat teams like Baltimore, Washington, any last-place teams in baseball. This is like you win in Milwaukee, you win in Chicago, although the Cubs are, you know, they had that fire sale. But to win games on the road against tough teams and – teams that are playoff-bound and playoff-worthy teams, that doesn't mean that the 16-game winning streak isn't a fluke. It's it's for real. And the Cardinals could go into L.A. and win. I agree 100%. And they've, they've beaten teams they've needed to beat. They've beaten—we saw the sweep of the Padres during this stretch. They've, they beat the Brewers. You know, they've, they've played some good teams. And they kind of remind me a little bit of the 2019 Washington Nationals. You know, they didn't get off to a great start. But then they heated up in September going into that wild, into the wild card game. They took down the Brewers. Then they went and slayed the Dodgers in five games. Mm-hmm. And then the rest is history. They went on to win the World Series. You know, I think this Cardinals team, they're the hottest team in baseball. And they are playing very confident right now. Harrison Bader is on fire, their center fielder. I would not be surprised if they went into L.A. or San Francisco and won. So— that's why I was, that was the follow-up question. So on the, I was on Upson's show Sunday morning, and I asked the question, if you're the San Francisco Giants with home field advantage, who would you rather play on the wild card? Would you rather play the hottest team in baseball or a division rival who knows what you're going to do and knows you know, they're not intimidated by you? Would you rather be playing against the Dodgers or playing against the Cardinals in the NLDS? That's a tough one because... Yeah. <laughs> But the thing is, the Giants have played the Dodgers very, very evenly all year. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a great series to watch. Yeah. That would definitely go five games. But I think if you're the Giants, you're probably more comfortable with the Cardinals just because when you look at that Dodgers rotation, you got Scherzer, Walker Buehler, Urias. That's a tough line to beat, and they've got a lot of postseason experienced dudes. Mm-hmm. So I would feel more comfortable against the Cardinals, but... I don't want to play either of them right now. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Our phones are going to go off all night, so we're following the Red Sox and Yankee games, so we'll we'll keep tab on baseball. Let's flip it over to college football. Another fantastic week of football. Got my upset um, pick. In the, yeah, I think I didn't get mine. I had, uh, and I had what was it, uh, Texas Tech going into Austin and, and beating Texas. Yes. They lost by 35 points. <laughs> so uh, I was clearly wrong on that, so I'll, I'll concede that. But, yeah, um, um, Oklahoma survived. But let's get into the big one, which was Clemson. I mean, Clemson has been the cream of the crop in the ACC for the last five-ish years, and now they have two losses. No team in the recent college football playoff history with two losses has ever made it into the tournament. And now Clemson, it's going to be really tough to not only get a get into the a chance to try to get into the college football playoff. It's going to be tough to get into a New Year's Six bowl game at this point. So uh, Clemson loses to NC State, double overtime loss for the Tigers. Where do they go from here? And obviously now they're, they're dealing with injuries to the running back position. A lot of linebackers are hurt. Um, James Skalski, their leader on defense, he got banged up in that game. 
Not sure what his status is going to be for this game against Boston College, which is my team. Um, where does Clemson go from here if they're not going to make it into the CFP? You know, that was a disastrous loss for Clemson because yeah. they only had 214 total yards on offense, and DJ did not look great at all. Just went 12 for 26 with a pick, again, against a non-ranked team. You know, Clemson just hasn't been able to get the offense going. And, you know, it's concerning. I think they might have to look for upgrades to the offense going into next year. Mm -hmm. Um, Their defense hasn't been terrible at all. No. But that offense has just been brutal. And I got my upset pick. NC State, they have, they've, They've played pretty well all year. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been impressed with their offense. Their quarterback, Leary, he threw two, 238 yards and four touchdowns, and they also ran for 148 yards. I that They played very well against Clemson at home, and I'm, worried, I'm really worried about Clemson. How weird is it to see Wake Forest and Boston College at the top of the ACC um, at, at the top of the ACC Atlantic right now through the first four weeks. It's ridiculous. But as a BC fan, it does warm my heart a little bit. And they get Clemson on Saturday night in Death Valley. So they're covering. That, yeah. Oh, I don't think they're going to cover. I think they're going to win. Um, Definitely. But, but let's not talk about that. We'll talk about upsets in a few minutes. Uh, Texas A&M. That was one of my upsets pick. One of my upset picks. I had Arkansas not only covering that game, I had them winning in Arlington. This was the start of a brutal three-game stretch for Arkansas. They had to win this game. Now they have to go to Athens to play Georgia, and then they have to play Ole Miss, who's going to play Alabama this week in a great SEC game at 3.30 in the afternoon in Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa. How dangerous could this Arkansas team be if they— I'm not saying that they're going to go win in Georgia, but they could look competitive. They could keep it close, and you know they've got a good run-stopping defense— which is what Georgia loves to do. They like to dominate both lines of scrimmages. But is this Arkansas team a team that can contend with Bama, contend for a New Year's Six Bowl game, maybe even if they're able to dodge this gauntlet, have a chance at a New Year's Six Bowl game? I do think they have a chance. They just beat the seventh-ranked team, and they are playing very confident football. They forced a turnover on defense. They passed for over almost 250 yards, and ran for almost 200 yards against a really good Texas A&M team. I think not only are they confident, but they 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 know they can beat good teams now that they beat A&M, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if they got a bowl game. Uh, well, New Year's Six. New I mean, Year's the, six. Yeah, the New Year's Six where it's at. They could be, again, I'm not saying that they're going to go beat Georgia, but I think they'll they'll keep it close. I, I Again, I like what I see out of the defense. I like what I see out of their quarterback, um, Jefferson, at 212 yards. He can run the ball. They had an 85-yard touchdown pass to begin the game against A&M. So I also thought they were going to win because A&M's too beat up. They, were, they lost their starting quarterback, King. Um, they were dealing with some injuries on their defense. Um, so I thought Arkansas was going to go in there and win. Um, so the next thing is Oklahoma. They somehow found another way to win, although – I'm still not sold on this team, but now it wasn't because they didn't. It wasn't because a shootout game where they had to win at the end. This was a defensive slugfest against West Virginia. Both teams scored touchdowns on their opening drive. After that, it took the the final um, nine points were field goals. Like, what is it with Oklahoma? It feels like this is a new thing every week. First, it's their offense not being able to score, and then it's their defense giving up too many points. And now we're right back to. The offense just can't score. They were booing Spencer Rattler at halftime in that game against West Virginia. So what has what has to be done in Oklahoma for them to get going in the right direction? I'm very nervous right now for Oklahoma. And, yeah, I know they're 4-0, but they've barely squeaked out some wins against some non-ranked teams. And Spencer Rattler has been a big disappointment because mm-hmm. he was coming in as arguably one of the Heisman Trophy frontrunners. Yeah. And he has looked anything but that you know he just he threw he threw another interception this week just a 66.5 qbr and they only ran for 57 yards on 28 attempts just two yards per carry Mm -hmm. so if they can't get the run game going and the passing game was decent they threw for 256 almost 10 yards per reception but they're struggling to put points on the board and you know I think they they have to get that offense going. Their defense has looked pretty good, 
That's why they're 4-0. But if they could get their offense going, they might be all right. How about the schedule for Oklahoma coming up? This week it's Kansas State, and they beat Oklahoma the last two times. Uh, 2019, they beat them in Manhattan. And then last year in the COVID year, they gave Oklahoma their first loss of the season um, in Norman. So that's tough. And then you got to go play Texas. And Texas has looked pretty good. And, again, I picked them to lose last week. And then they won by 35 points against Texas Tech. So I I feel stupid for taking Matt Wells and the Raiders. And then the they get, like, some easy games. They get to play TCU, Kansas, and then Texas Tech. And then the last three games, Baylor, who beat Iowa State, it's in Waco. The Bears looking pretty good. I, I, was, I was impressed by the way they played against Iowa State. Although, what's going on with the Cyclones? I mean, they really struggled on defense in that game against Baylor. That, that's who Oklahoma will play after Baylor. And then they go to uh, Stillwater to play Oklahoma State. That should be a great game. Oklahoma State's 4-0 and too, and they've been playing some great defense. Yes. Um, so let's turn it over to the ACC Coastal. This is a fun topic because it seems like every single year the Coastal's up for grabs, and we don't know who's going to win. We thought it feels like 2019 because, you know, Sam, uh, Sam Howell was leading North Carolina. You know, Duke looked pretty good. Virginia looked pretty good, and it took Virginia to beat both those teams for Virginia to win the Coastal. And then it had to, they had to beat Virginia Tech at the end of the season to win it. At home in a close game. And now North Carolina lost to Georgia Tech last week. That's a shocker. That was one of the more shocking games on the schedule because I thought Georgia Tech, who played Clemson so good against uh, against Clemson in Death Valley, they didn't score a lot of points. And then they put up 45 on North Carolina and beat them by 23 points in Atlanta. Miami, or uh, what? Yeah, 23 points. Miami doesn't look very good. Um, we don't know about Duke or Virginia. Virginia can't play defense. Um, Duke has played. Duke lost. Should have lost to Kansas, and they did lose one of their games against Charlotte. Who is going to win the Coastal this year? But the good news is they may not have to play Clemson at the end of the season. But who's going to win the Coastal this year? Man, it is really hard because the two front runners, UNC and Miami, have not looked good at all. And who knows? Maybe one of them gets hot and they go on a big run. But right now, I have been really, really impressed with Virginia Tech and the defense they've been playing. Just 61 points allowed this year, but their offense has also scored the least amount of points. So they're going to have to get that going. Um, Georgetown has looked pretty good. They had a big win. And Duke also at 3-1, and one, they put up 155 points. I I don't have a prediction right now, though. There's just so Every, everyone's alive right now, I think, in the Coastal. I'm really impressed with Georgia Tech. I know they lost to Clemson, but they to be able to keep it close for that long and then come away with a six-point loss is impressive. And then to beat North Carolina the week after, that's impressive. I, I, watch out for Georgia Tech. They may not – I think they'll win the Coastal. They probably won't win the whole thing, but it would be pretty close. Um, it actually is seven years ago that Georgia Tech won their first Coastal Division title. So – that could be a little foreshadowing. You know, the last time Georgia Tech won the Coastal, seven years ago, there's seven teams in the Coastal. So it could be their time to win it again this year. So let's go to quick questions for college football. What is wrong with the Iowa State Cyclones after four weeks? Just inconsistency. Um, they can't get, you know, the defense got shredded. 31 points to Baylor this past week. And they finally put up 29 points, which, is, which isn't great. Uh, they had a big win over some terrible team, 48-3. to But before that, against Iowa, their offense didn't show up. They barely squeaked out a win against Northern Iowa. You know, they just have not played consistent at all on either front. And they have to they have to fix that or they're, they're in deep trouble. I think it's their turnover margin. They really struggled. Brock Purdy's turning the ball over too threw much. Yep, he threw a ma- major pick. Special teams has been Iowa State's. Um, you know, it has been their weak spot for a long time, and it doesn't look like it's gotten better. Um, but the turnovers have to clean up. I'm not sure what has what's to make of Iowa State, but if they just get back to running the football with Brees Hall, they're going to be okay. Brock Purdy's going to make some good throws. It's still early to write Iowa State off. You never know. They could go on an eight-game run. They could go in into Norman win, and then that could get them into the Big 12 title game. They only have one conference loss, so this one's going to hurt them. Um, can Oregon lead the Pac-12 to a college football playoff berth for the first time since 2017? I definitely think they can. They have looked great this year. Mm-hmm. You know, a big 41 to 19 win over Arizona, and they blew out Stony Brook last week. They had a huge that was Stony win. Brook. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. 
But before, but the game before that, they put up 35 on a really good Ohio State team. That's true. And beat them on the road. And I want to see how they do against – I want to see how they do on the road in UCLA. I think if they could go in and win that game, they're going to get there. That's going to be big. It's going to be an interesting schedule for Oregon. They play Stanford in the, on the road this week. Stanford's been scoring a lot more points. Um, they're usually built on defense, but Oregon's been able to – Handle that rivalry since 2018. We're not going to mention it, but it was one of the worst calls I've ever seen in a college football game um, that led Stanford to get that win. And then they play UCLA before Halloween weekend. That'll be a great game out there in Pasadena. Um, their schedule doesn't get easier after that. Colorado, who can't score. Washington, who lost to an FCS team. Washington State can't play can't play defense. Utah's been all over the place. Oregon State. Oregon State's pretty good. I like what I see out of the Beavers. And my brother was actually at the Arizona game. Um, he just moved into Oregon, and he was at the game on Friday, on Saturday night. He had a great time. Uh, last one before we go to break. Where do we find the upsets for Week 5? Let's get our upset picks in. I And I mentioned this earlier. I don't like BC to cover. I like them to win outright against Clemson. Clemson has too many injuries on defense. Um, their offense can't score. Boston College's defense showed me something in, in that game against Missouri. I know that they, they really struggled against the pass, but that was because Connor Bazelak is an NFL quarterback. He could throw the ball around. Um, you know, they've got some good, talented wide receivers. They can run the football with Pat Garwell out of the backfield. Dennis Grossell's playing smart football. He's not turning the ball over. Um, and BC should have won there last year. They were up, I think, 28-13 to 13 at halftime, and Clemson came back to win that game. With DJ Uyagal, I'm going to just say DJ because I can pronounce yeah. his last name wrong every time. But Jeff Halfley's team has a philosophy right now, and I like where he's going with this program. Um, and if BC wins this game, there is not a lot of teams on their schedule that they can that they don't have to win against, or that they can't lose against because they're all at home. Vatek is at home. Wake Forest is at the end of the season. It's at home. BC needs to win. Not only do they, like, this is a must-win game because they could easily get to the ACC title game if they win this game. So uh, that's one of my upsets picks. Picks, let's get yours in. I like the BC one, but another one I'm looking at is Arizona State going into UCLA. Mm. I've really liked the way Arizona State has looked. They put up 35 points last week. They played BYU pretty tough. They blew out a couple of bad teams, but their offenses looked really good. And I wouldn't be surprised if they kept it competitive in UCLA. But mm. I also I love the Boston College pick. All right, we got time for one more upset pick, so let's get one more upset pick from you, Andrew, and then we'll go to break, and then I'll get mine in. I don't know how much of an upset this is, but I think LSU is going to give Auburn a tough game mm. at home. That'll be an interesting game. I, I think Auburn still kind of a middle-of-the-pack SEC team. I, I would go opposite. I think LSU could win that game, but that wasn't mm-hmm. one of mine. I think, and I was looking at this earlier, this is the day Oklahoma goes down on Saturday. Kansas I think State. Kansas State, they have a winning formula against Oklahoma with Chris Kleiman as their head coach. Um, he's done a great job getting this Kansas State team to not only compete against Oklahoma, but beating Oklahoma. And I had, I just don't know where the Sooners, you know, they haven't looked great. And... This could be another one of those games where they peek ahead because Texas is next week, and that's the big game. So I, I think Kansas State's getting a chance to beat Oklahoma this week. I would not be surprised. So we'll take a short break. We'll come back, and we'll talk some NFL football after the break. You're listening to the Marvel Sports Talk Show here on WQAQ. We'll be right back.
Well, Jason, I've got to tell you, you're pretty much everything this company is looking for in an entry-level candidate. Great. Your resume isn't quite what we're used to, but you've got a fantastic work ethic. Thank you. And I'm impressed by how you carry yourself. So, should we talk about the job? Uh, what? The job? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I have no way of recruiting or even meeting you. This interview didn't happen. It may sound ridiculous, and that's because it kind of is. There's a huge pool of talent your company is missing out on. Meet the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Man, we really could have used him. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. You're listening to WQAQ, the soundtrack of Quidipia. Hello there, this is Nat King Cole, wishing you all a happy and a Merry Christmas. The joy of living is in the giving. So let's give lots of toys for tots. Since 1947, the United States Marine Corps has been helping Santa fill his sleigh, making happier holidays for deserving children right in your community. Go to toysfortots.org and learn how you can make a difference. Who do I swim for? I swim on my high school team for my mom, who gets up at 5 o'clock every morning to take me to practice. I swim for hugs from my teammates, spaghetti dinners, and my lucky neon green goggles. I swim for Coach Murray, who pushes me to dig deep and finish strong. More than 7.7 million American teenagers participate in high school sports every year, including about 111,000 here in Connecticut. They're all learning essential life lessons, like the importance of hard work, time management and self-discipline, skills that are helping them become better leaders and more active, responsible citizens. Most of all, I swim for myself, because I learn more about who I am and who I want to be every time I dive into the pool. That's who I swim for. This message presented by the Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference and the Connecticut Association of Athletic Directors. This is the soundtrack of Quinnipiac, 98.1 FM, the new WQAQ. You're listening, you're listening to 98.1 WQAQ, the soundtrack of Quinnipiac. Ozzy Osbourne for that sweet introduction as we get set for the second half of our show here on WQAQ Marvel Sports Talk Show with David Martin and Andrew Spezzano. Um, just so you got uh, for you listeners out there who want to find our, our show, it's on Spotify. Just make sure to search up Marvel Sports Talk Show on Spotify. You can catch up on some of the recent episodes we post. We post them on Wednesday morning around 10 a.m. And if you want to be a guest, we had our guest Matt Dronchik on the show last week. If you want to be a guest, reach out to us. We're all over social media. Um, and if you're available Tuesday nights, 9 o'clock, we can get you in at some point on our schedule. So let's turn our attention to week three of the NFL season. We had some great games. We had some upsets. We had a fantastic week uh, three. I will concede the fact that we tied in picks this week, 12-4. to four. It was a good week for both of us. It was because Aaron Rodgers had 37 seconds left. I had the Falcons beating the Giants. I got that right. Um and then Aaron Rodgers at 37 seconds and kicks the game-winning field goal. Automatic. So I go in so with a tie. So that, that is good, though. Um, all of us, including Maddie, went 12-4 um, uh, and four this week. Um, so let's dive into it. Let's talk about some of the big games that we saw. Let's start with the game in Kansas City. The Chiefs are now 1-2 for the first time in a long time. And it was because the L.A. Chargers went in there, winning the last drive of the game, beating the Chiefs 30-24. to So let's talk about the Chargers first because... We'll, we'll turn our attention to Kansas City in a minute, but this L.A. Chargers team has a new feel to it. I like what I see out of Herbert in his, his second year as a starter for the Chargers. 
He's got some good weapons. What I like about it more is that he's being protected a lot more, even though they don't have an identity in their run game just yet with Austin Eckler. But and this defense played very well last week for the Chargers. So let's start, Andrew, with the Chargers. What are you, what's your opinion on the two and one LA Chargers right now? They're legit. Justin Herbert is a beast, and we saw him last year winning Offensive Rookie of the Year. You know, he's a monster. He went into Kansas City, threw for four touchdowns, no turnovers, 281 yards. You know, he looked really good. And Mike Williams, who has been up and down the last few years, is finally developing into a number one or number two receiver. You know, he had seven receptions for 122 yards, two touchdowns. Obviously, Keenan Allen's a stud, Austin Eckler, and let's talk about their defense. Four turnovers forced, just unbelievable. They have looked great, and they, the Chiefs have to watch out for them. You know, that's going to be a big game when they have a rematch in L.A. It'll be at the end of the season. I think it's on Thursday night or Monday night football. It's like a, it's a late game in Los Angeles. But, all right, let's turn our attention to the Chiefs. They're 1-2, and two, and they should be 0-3 because Cleveland should have beat them in Week 1. They, they were controlling most of that game, and then it took a crazy Kansas City comeback for the Chiefs to win that game. Now they're 0-2. What, what's the fix for Kansas City? We know that they usually, they usually get themselves back into it at times, but now this is two games in a row where they get the ball and they turn it over at the end of the game, and it costs them dearly. And what's the fix for Kansas City going into Week 4? I think their defense needs to play better. They've been giving up a lot of points, but obviously the turnovers, you know, they had Patty Mahomes with two interceptions. I mean, one of them, he threw a no-look pass, and it bounced right off the dude's hands and went right to the, the Chargers defender. Yep. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, another fumble this week. You know, he has really struggled holding onto the football early on. They need, They just need to clean up their offensive attack. You know, they just picked up Josh Gordon, which was an interesting move. I mean, he hasn't played a lot the last few years, but it'll be interesting to see how he fits into Kansas City. But, yeah, they have to clean that offense up, and they have to be better defensively too. I really don't know how Josh Gordon's going to fit into an offensive system if they're just going to keep turning the ball over, but you're right. Yeah. That no-look pass was ridiculous. If, he just, if, if Patrick Mahomes actually looks the guy dead in the eye and just floats him the ball, it's a touchdown. Instead, he wants to do something ridiculous like he does all the time. Sometimes your ridiculous can be ridiculous in a good way, but then there's the, the downside of your ridiculous is going to cost your team points. So the Chiefs have to simplify the game. They can't, obviously turnovers, yes, but Patrick Mahomes cannot be razzle-dazzle every play. Play smart, play with a lot of poise, and don't do the stupid things. Do the smart things. It's just going to help your team win because that would have been a touchdown. And that probably would have given the Chiefs the win. So, yeah. um, but look at the AFC West. The Broncos are three and zero. I'll beat that they've played teams that are combined zero and nine. And the Raiders have won two in a row, two games in overtime, both at home. So both teams have looked. Everybody in the AFC West, except for Kansas City, is playing good ball. So that'll be tough for the Chiefs to win their own division. So let's go to the game of the day, which was by far the best game that we saw in Week Three: the uh, Rams Bucks game. In Los Angeles, we both had the Rams beating the Chiefs, uh, or not, I'm sorry, the Bucks. Um, let's start with the Rams. The Rams put up 34 points, and I love what Matthew Stafford has done with Los Angeles. The fact he's with Sean McVay gives him an opportunity to be more creative with his offense. They they couldn't run the ball a lot with Sony Michelle, but Matt Stafford looked calm. He looked comfortable. He was hitting. He was throwing the ball over the field. The pass to Sean Jackson that put the game out of reach. Um, for good uh, in the third quarter, really got um, was remarkable. Th- this Rams team has proven to be a, a tough out, not just in the N- in the N- NFC West, but in the entire conference in general. Matthew Stafford has completely been a game changer for the Rams. What an upgrade over Jared Goff he's been, <laughs> especially for guys like Cooper Cup, who had two more touchdowns this week. And obviously the big play to Deshaun Jackson, that was a nice pickup. Yeah. Then you got other receivers like Van Jefferson stepping up. And Tyler Higby's been playing well out of the tight end position. You know, the one problem that, one thing that worries me a little bit is they don't have a great running game. Mm-hmm. They lost a lot of their their guys, you know, obviously Akers with that big injury. I don't think Henderson played this week. So they got to get, they got to get better there. But their defense is so good. And yeah, Tom Brady... 
It's the first time in his career he threw for over 400 yards and lost. Yeah. You know, that is crazy. Um, and they actually, the the Bucks didn't have any turnovers that game. It's just they couldn't, they just couldn't put enough points on the board. And Matthew Stafford was throwing the ball all over the field for four passing touchdowns, 343 yards. The Rams are legit, and I think they're going to win the division. Yeah, I I well concede the fact that I picked San Francisco to win the division. I didn't know how good the Rams would be. Three tough games out of the gate with Chicago, um, and then at Indy, and then against the Bucks. I don't know how they were going to be. Now after three games, I think they're for real. But let's turn our attention to Tampa Bay. We saw a couple more defensive injuries, especially at linebacker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Gronk is out of the of most of the second half with a hip injury. What's going on with the Bucks? Because this is usually one of the games that. You know, Tom Brady lives for, like, it's in Los Angeles for the first time. He needs to, you know, this felt like a, a game for the Bucks to say, okay, we're the, we're the big guys in the NFC, we just won the Super Bowl, and then they completely laid an egg in the second half. So what has to change in Tampa Bay? I think this is going to serve as a wake-up call. You know, their defense, they're not necessarily the best team in the NFC. You know, the Rams, they showed they have a, they have a quarterback that could go up and go toe-to-toe with you now that they've upgraded from Goff to Stafford. And Tampa Bay's rushing attack is non-existent right now. Yep. You know, Ronald Jones has been atrocious, and Leonard Fournette has just been okay at best. Mm-hmm. Gio Bernard's been a good pickup out of the backfield. But they have to, I think, I'm going to be curious to see how they respond going into New England. This is an emotional game for everyone, really, because Brady was a legend in New England. But... I want to see how they go in there and handle this game. They've got to find a way to run the football against good defenses because they couldn't do it against the Rams. They're obviously going to play better, um, some same similar defenses than the Rams, um, starting with the New England Patriots defense, which is a good run-stopping defense. Um, so that will be crucial for Tampa Bay. But I think they got to get those defensive players healthy, and especially at linebacker and at cornerback. They, a couple of cornerback injuries, and they – they did a lot of man coverage against the Rams, and we see why it didn't work out because the Rams wide receivers were running wide open. Some short routes, there's some deep routes that the Bucks completely lost coverage in. So that's going to be a great game for sure in New England for Mac, um, for Tom Brady and the Bucks to go in there and take on Mac Jones and the Patriots, um, who actually lost to the Saints. But let's turn our attention to the Sunday night game, the Packers and the San Francisco 49ers. The Packers... Looked good early. The Niners came back. It was a close one in the fourth quarter, but Aaron Rodgers at 37 seconds left to win the game, and he did just that. So what's our opinion on Green Bay? Some, this, was a, this was a good win for Green Bay, but I'm not entirely sold on this Green Bay team. You know, we finally got the Devontae Adams breakout game. Mm-hmm. You know, he was kind of quiet the first two weeks. No yeah, that touchdowns. Was, that was huge. But, you know, we just witnessed that Aaron Rodgers is a Bad man, as Stephen A. Smith said. <laughs> you know, he had, I think he had like 37 seconds or something like that to yep. march up the field. 37. And it took him two plays, both to Devontae Adams. He threw two dimes. Mason Crosby came out and drilled that 51 yarder. But the problem with the Packers is their defense just has not been great at all. You know, they still gave up 28 points to a pretty solid Niners team, but they had. They looked in the second half, they were just getting torched. You know, they did a good job stopping the run, just 67 rushing yards. But in the air, they were averaging 10.3 average per reception, led by George Kittle, who had, who had a couple big plays. He had a 39 yard reception. But I think with Aaron Rodgers, this team is going to win the division. But I don't know how, without a better defense, how they're going to do against teams like L.A. or the Bucks. Well, Green Bay does get a little bit of an easier game. They play Pittsburgh, who can't run the football or play any kind of offense. Then they have to go to Cincinnati, and Joe Burrow's been playing much better. Uh, so that'll be interesting. They go to Chicago. Their real tough stretch in the season is in the middle. At Arizona on Thursday night, at Kansas City, but 10 days after, uh, against Seattle, at Minnesota, uh, at home game against the Rams uh, after Thanksgiving, they get a bye, and then they play Chicago, and then they have to go to Baltimore, and then they host Cleveland. So that's a tough stretch. They're going to get easier challenges for the next couple of weeks, but 
that crucial November-December stretch for Green Bay is going to come into play uh, for sure. So let's go to the speed round, and we'll do word association. What was the word to describe Justin Fields' first start as a Chicago Bear? No time. (laughs) (laughs) Their offensive line was absolutely brutal and the browns i was like every i was watching red zone with my buddies up at yukon mm-hmm. and it looked like it was like every other play yeah he got sacked nine times that's ridiculous and it felt like every time they put the bears browns game on it was a highlight of justin fields getting sacked you know mm-hmm. he didn't throw any picks he did not fumble so he did a good job holding on to the football but he just had no time to make any sort of plays just mm-hmm. 20 passing attempts yep Six completions, and the Browns just dominated them. And it shows that the Bears aren't going to go anywhere without a better offensive line. I'm going to say fully expected because this Cleveland defense wanted to get a bounce back game. They gave up too many points against Houston, and I think that they they finally got back to what they're good at on defense, and that's rushing the passer. Miles Garrett is a monster on this defense. Oh, yeah. Four and a half sacks. He tallied. Half the sack total for Cleveland. That's big. And he said he was going to be the best player on the field in the NFL. He's certainly looking like it to the first three weeks of the season. The Bengals beat the Steelers. Word association. Terrible for the Steelers. <laughs> you know, um, this is a game that you and I were both all over yes. as an underdog. Yes. Joe Burrow looked really good. You know, he had a pick, yeah. But besides that, three touchdowns. The Jamar Chase connection was real. Two touchdowns, 65 yards. Tyler Boyd had a solid game. Joe Mixon with 90 yards rushing. And the defense making some big stops against Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh, again, same problem as every other year. They can't get their running game going. Nope. They were finding Najee Harris a lot out of the backfield, but it wasn't enough. You know, they've got to—they really have— they have to figure out that offense. They gotta have a they gotta draw up a better game plan going into week four. Fresh start for both teams because Joe Burrow and the Bengals are back. They're playing good ball. Jamar this Jamar Chase connection is critical. And fresh start for Pittsburgh because Ben Roethlisberger should retire by the middle of the season. Yeah. He is done. He's almost forty years old. He looks like an old man when he runs around in the pocket. They cannot run the football. It's just time for a change in Pittsburgh. I don't think it's Mike Tomlin's fault. But I think the Steelers have to move on from Big Ben. I think they need a fresh start. I don't. Dwayne Haskins probably isn't the guy. No. So I think it's time to either work out an, a, a free agent quarterback or you know wait till the draft rolls Cam around. Newton. And it, it's that would be interesting. All right. Um, the Seahawks lost to the Vikings. Word association. Disappointing. Well, um, mm-hmm. Their defense got shredded by Kirk Cousins. You know, thirty points. Kurt Cousins was throwing the ball all over the field, 30 for 38 with no turnovers, three touchdowns, and there was no Dalvin Cook in this game. I thought the Seahawks were as good as anyone to be a lock for this week, Yep, and I was wrong. Justin Jefferson with a huge game. Same with Thielen also had a touchdown. Tight end Ty Conklin getting in on the action, and... You know, it was a big blow for Seattle. Tyler Lockett looked like he got injured, but he came back in at the end, which is good news for them. They were getting DK Metcalf going early, but Seattle just fell apart in the second half. And you got to give Minnesota's Deke some credit. You know, they really gave Russell Wilson a tough time. Yep. They couldn't establish their running game. It was it was an impressive win for Minnesota and a disappointing loss for Seattle, who I also liked a little bit in this division, but... They're just not on the same level, I don't think, as the Rams. I'm probably not allowed to swear on the radio, but I'm just going to say what the H. (laughs) Because I literally thought this was a get-right game for Seattle. Minnesota's offensive line is so bad, and the Seahawks couldn't do anything. They got up 17-7, I think it was, and they never scored again. Like, what, what has to, like, Seattle is just a questionable team, and defensively, there is a lot to figure out. All right, real quick before picks. Justin Tucker's game-winning 66-yard field goal was? Jaw-dropping. Yep. Me and my buddies at UConn were watching it live. We saw the kick up. It was like, oh, my God, this actually is a chance. It hits the bar. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's heart stopped as we watched it go up in the air. Then it came down, went in. That was what, That was the greatest kick I have ever seen. Yeah. You know, what a kick. What a big win for the Ravens, who almost got upset in Detroit. And Justin Tucker just showing he's the best kicker in the league. 
I'm going to rephrase something I heard Mike Trico say. Uh, classic Lions. That is a classic Lions way to lose a game. 66-yard field goal off the crossbar and over and through. And But Detroit, Detroit's been playing good. I, I said they would cover, so I'm, I'm glad I got that right. Um, we don't we don't keep you know spread picks on this show, so that's unfortunate. So let's go into our week four picks again. We both finished twelve and four um, this week. Um, we start on Thursday night the rematch of the twenty nineteen national championship. It will probably be anything but uh, with the Jags and the Bengals. Um, I'm going to take Cincinnati. I also like them to cover. I just don't think Trevor Lawrence Trevor Lawrence is turning the ball over too much, and I still don't believe in this Jacksonville defense. And Cincinnati's finding their stride. I'm definitely yeah. taking them to cover at home. This how, is going to be fun. How good's their offensive line been since Joe Burrow got back healthy? All right, this is kind of a uh, who cares game a little bit, but the Falcons play Washington. If you trust a defense after three weeks in this game, it's got to be Atlanta. Um, I know that they didn't play great offensively against the Giants, but I think the Falcons go at back home and win this game. I do too. Washington's defense has been getting shredded all year. They've been a big disappointment. I'm taking Atlanta at home. All right. Carolina goes to Dallas. Dallas coming off that Monday night win against um, Philadelphia. This is one I think we're going to disagree on. I think the Panthers will play their next man up mentality. They're a five-point underdog. This is a week for road dogs. I'm taking the Carolina Panthers to go in there and win. Too much emotion for Dallas, and I still don't know what to make of their defense yet. You know, the Panthers' defense has impressed me, but Christian McCaffrey not being there. Mm Mm-hmm. Hubbard didn't look great, and I think Dallas is going to win. Okay, so that's one we can disagree on. Uh, Detroit goes to Chicago. Chicago's favored by three and a half. I, again, road dog. I think, I think Detroit's going to go in there and beat them. I think they, they're playing with a lot of passion. They're playing with a lot of emotion, and I, I like what I see out of this defense. I know it hasn't been great, but they've been playing pretty okay, and Jared Goff's been finding his way in this Lions offense. Yeah, and they've played some tough teams. You know, obviously, they almost came back in that crazy game against the Niners. They should have beaten the Ravens if any other kicker was on the field. I'm taking. I'm going to take Detroit, too. Okay. I like this pick. All right, we go to the Caesars Superdome. As I said, Road Dogs, Giants, and Saints. I, I can't do it. i got to go with the Saints. They, get, they got all their defensive players back, and they looked so dominant against the Patriots. And they're opening the doors to the Superdome for the first time this season. So I'm going to go with the Saints. And I think they're going to cover, too. Saints. I have no words on the Giants. <laughs> um, Texans and Bills. Buffalo is a 16-point favorite in this huh. game. And I think they'll win by 20. So I'm going Bills big in this game at home. I think they've found a rhythm with Josh Allen throwing the ball, getting back to their formula that got them to the AFC title game last year. I will be a little concerned because next week they go to Arrowhead. So... Um, I think the Bills will win. It will be a slow start, but they'll still end up winning by 20-plus points. You know, their offense clicked last week against Mm -hmm. Washington's quote-unquote great defense. Um, And Josh Allen, five total touchdowns. I'm taking them by at least 20. Yeah. Colts. Um, Colts and Dolphins, I don't know what, what, why they decided to start Carson Wentz with two bad ankles, but they did. A lot closer game than I thought it was against Tennessee. Um, I think Miami's going to win this game just because it's in South Florida. Um, the Colts' offense hasn't given me any reason to believe in them, and I don't know what's going on with their defense. So, and I, I liked what I saw out of Jacoby Brissett last week, so I like Miami to win this game. I do think that Indianapolis is going to play desperate, but mm-hmm. like you just said, Jacoby yeah. Brissett looked phenomenal. And I'm going to have to agree with you again. Yeah. Um, Cleveland goes to Minnesota. I, as much as I liked what I saw out of Minnesota last week, they were playing Seattle, and they don't have a good defense. You know who has a good defense? The Browns. The Cleveland Browns. I like the Browns on the road to go into Minnesota and win, and they're going to have four or five sacks of Kirk Cousins in this game. I love the Browns on the road in this yeah. game, and it's a really good line for sports betters, so that's a game <laughs> yeah. I would take. Yeah, it is. You can even pick the Vikings to, to win that game outright. So, All right, Tennessee and the Jets, this should be really quick. Derrick Henry's going to get at least 20 carries in this game and have about 175 yards, three scores, and the Titans destroy the Jets. Jets just got shut out. I watched a video clip of their center just letting it, the nose tackle run right up the middle uncontested. Yep, They got shut out. Tennessee by a million. Yep. Kansas City goes to Philadelphia. This should be a great game. I just don't know what's going on with Philadelphia's offense, and this defense is getting more beat up by the minute. Uh, Good get-right game for the Chiefs. I think that they will rise up and play a good game with Patrick Mahomes. They won't turn the ball over, um, so I think the Chiefs will win, but I think Philadelphia is going to cover. I think it's going to be like a a low-scoring game, but the Chiefs find a way to win at the end. I think the Eagles' offense is going to get it going a little bit against this shaky Chiefs defense, but 
I just like the Chiefs too much. They're going to win this game. All right. I'm really excited about this next game. Rams-Cardinals oh in Los Angeles. This is the Marvel Sports Game of the Week on Marvel Sports. That's my website. As I said, this is a week of road dogs. Arizona will go on the road and beat the Rams in, in at SoFi. I think the Rams could be a little high off that win against Tampa Bay. And as much as this defense looked pretty good, they still gave up 24 points and let Tom Brady throw the ball. The Cards have a lot of speed on the on the perimeter. They've got a good running game, and they have Kyler Murray, who is an MVP candidate. I think the Arizona defense will figure out a way to shut down this Rams offense. I think the Cards go on the road and get the upset. I disagree. Okay. I really like the Rams. I think this is going to be a shootout. I do, too. I think, I think the Rams D is going to make a play in this game, just like we saw Minnesota do against... Kyler Murray last week, and that's going to be the difference. This is one of that's one of those games where I feel really confident about picking the upset, and I know I'm going to be completely wrong, so I'll, I'll accept that. Seattle goes to San Francisco, another NFC West tilt. Hmm. Um, it should be a great game. I think San Francisco's corner injuries and against Green Bay are going to come back to bite them. Tyler Lockett, if he's healthy, should have a big game. I think Russell Wilson goes into uh, San Francisco and wins. I agree. I'm not sold on San Francisco after watching them last week. Their yep. defense has been really shaky. As we saw in week one, I'm taking the Seahawks. Baltimore goes to Denver. Lamar Jackson's first game in the altitude could be a slugger for this Ravens defense. Um, I think Denver's going to win. I like Denver. I think their defense is going to figure out a way to shut down Lamar Jackson. And the Ravens offense couldn't really do anything against Detroit's defense last week. So uh, I'm going to go with Denver. This is Denver's big Test game. Yeah, this is a season-setting game for and Denver. I think it's going to be a very low-scoring game, but I think the Ravens are going to come out on top. So that's three. Okay, I'm keeping track. Pittsburgh goes to Green Bay. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, enough said. Packers, big in this game. Yeah, Packers, no doubt. <laughs> uh, Bucks, patriots in uh, Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. Brady's first game back. It's going to be emotional. It's going to be close, and it's going to be a really low-scoring game. I just don't know if the Patriots' offense can throw the ball against this Bucks defense. Tom Brady's going to start slow, but eventually he will find a way to win. Um, I'm taking the Bucks, but I think the Patriots will cover. So I think Bucks go on the road and get it done. The good old emotional pick. Yeah, this is going to be a really fun game to watch. I think for all football fans, because mm. obviously Brady was such an icon in New England. Yeah, going back. I do think that the Bucs are going to win this game, but I do think the Patriots' defense is going to keep it close. I agree. I think that this defense can shut down the run the same way the Rams did last week. Um, and this could be Tom Brady's last ever game at Gillette Stadium if he you know, he could yeah. retire in the next couple of years. All right, uh, Monday Night Football, as we wrap up at SoFi, battle of two good AFC West teams. We have the Raiders going in to take on the Chargers. I don't know if I want to take the Raiders right now. I just believe in the Chargers more. Um, and also, I'm a really big Derek Carr haters, and I just really want him to lose. So I'm taking the Chargers at home. And the Raiders barely escaped with the win over Miami. Yeah, they should have lost. And the that Chargers game. just shocked everyone and beat the Chiefs. <laughs> I'm taking the Chargers. It's going to be a fun Monday night game, though. I am concerned about the Chargers coming off that really good win against Kansas City. How much they're going to feel themselves? Maybe getting that extra day off and not playing on Sunday might actually benefit them. That's why I think they're going to win. So we have three mm. disagreements. I think it was Carolina. Uh, the Denver game, and the Cardinals game. So I'm going to stick with those three picks. So that's going to wrap it up for us here on the Marvel Sports Talk Show. Again, make sure to tune in on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. here on the WQAQ radio. Um, That will do it for us. We hope you have a great Tuesday night, and we will see you next week. Have a great night, everybody. Hamden, New Haven, and the world. The new WQAQ from the underground up. Been told y'all to be taking over.